Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, the podcast. Today I've got Robin Otterino with me of Robin Chocolates. Robin is an award-winning chocolatier and has been named by Dessert Professional as one of the top 10 chocolatiers in North America. Robin spent 14 years in the U.S. Navy before shifting to the world of IT with Sun Microsystems. While working for Sun, she took a cooking class at a culinary school of the Rockies. It was here that she decided she wanted to work in the culinary field. In 2006, after a decade in technology, she left to study to be a savory chef and to work in catering. During an internship in France, she realized that desserts can taste as good as they are beautiful. Today, Robin combines artistry and flavor to create little masterpieces that taste as good as they look. Through her chocolates, Robin has found a way to make people smile, which makes Robin very happy indeed. And I must say, Robin, it makes me very happy as well. Welcome to the show. Hi. We are so excited to have you with us today. Robin, at what point did you realize that you wanted to start your own business? I don't think there ever was one exact moment. It kind of cascaded from several moments. And then I realized, you know, I'm making this for friends and I'm at the age where I don't want to work for other people. I want to prove that I know what I'm talking about with flavor and chocolate and it just kind of snowballed from a bunch of different little things. I love that. Can you do you have explain to us what you mean by snowball? You know, I have this vision of you making and maybe explain a little bit more about some of the different chocolates um, that you do have. I've got this vision of you in your kitchen. Um, you know, the best friend to everyone because you've got this great, you know, this great great product that you're making. You're probably like the most popular person on the block. Talk a little bit more about that. Well, it wasn't always great product and and there's always so much more to learn um, I I never consider my product the best there is I always think it can get better um, through more learning but it started as just making confections when I was in the Navy I would make stuff for friends and family and Christmas gifts because edible gifts are much better and when I went to culinary school I ended up working in pastry kitchens because the the savory side of cooking is hot, it's messy, and it really did require a younger person than what I was. And the pastry just kind of touched a good note with me. And that's when I really started experimenting more with chocolates, molded chocolates, enrobed chocolates, uh, hand-rolled, things like that. And that's when friends really started to um, pop up everywhere because I was saying, here, you want to taste this for me? And I had a lot of willing friends. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you remember that moment in time, that aha moment when you said to yourself or someone said to you, you know, you should really take this by the horns and do something a bit more with, with it? So nobody ever exactly said that to me, but what happened was a friend of mine gave chocolates to a friend, you know, the six degrees thing. And 
I got a phone call from a florist saying, I just had your chocolates and I'd like to order 12 boxes for Valentine's in three weeks. And that was the day I told my husband, I want to start a company that's chocolate. And I had been talking about doing a catering kind of company where I would do tea parties for, you know, high tea, uh, fancy tea parties. And it didn't really go anywhere. You know, I had my my paperwork done for an incorporation. And in January of 2008, when that florist called, that was the moment where I decided, nope, it's going to be a chocolate and confections company. Wow, I love that. And it's always that one phone call, isn't it, That's that gets you down the path of, okay, this is really happening, and it's happening now. So so tell our listeners, did you deliver the 12 boxes, and, and where is that relationship today? So I absolutely had to get that um, finished. I Unfortunately, they went out of business. Oh, gosh few years ago and it's tough when you own your own business no matter what it is but they did sell my chocolates for the first three years I think I was in business and I was wholesale only so for a while we had a very good relationship they definitely helped get me on the road to figuring out how to get my chocolates at other places that's fantastic. And I love that. Um, that's a perfect segue actually into our next question is how do you define that entrepreneurial spirit? I think there's a lot of facets to being an entrepreneur and you have to have a lot of determination, um, a pretty tough shoulder, and you've got to be willing to accept that not everybody is going to think you're doing an awesome thing. You know, there's going to be all different kinds of people out there. And if you have to really believe in yourself, in your product, or whatever, you know, whether it's food or birthday cards, whatever you're going to go into business with, you have to really, really believe in it. And you have to constantly learn new stuff and keep practicing keep trying well that's so true i um actually in my first integrate and ignite podcast interview i talked to stephen wessner about that and how we really never stop learning and i think that is what creates an entrepreneur is you're always looking for that next product or that next service and without that I believe life would certainly be boring, um, but you wouldn't be differentiating yourselves and staying uh, ahead of the competition either. Right. Now, do you think um, that the fact that your company is female-owned is any part at all of your brand? Um, in the culinary world, I don't think so. There's a lot of chocolatiers out in the world, men and women, and I don't think it so much matters that I'm female as much as it matters that I always strive for using quality ingredients and where where it does make a difference that I'm female is how I'm looked at by the community right so online people don't care but in the shop they think it's neat that a female owned business is doing something new 
Well, and it is so exciting, too. I'm actually on your website right now, and I, I need to order some candy cane <laughs> chocolate from you. I'm, and talk about high tea. My daughters and I have high tea together all the time, so I'm sure you've got some, some perfect um, chocolates that we can now include um, with those high teas. Um, and, you know, and I like that, you know, I, I think, and I'm going out on a limb, I this is one of those things that I just talked about that I might cut out. But I don't think that female-owned businesses have to ride on their laurels the fact that they are a female-owned business to get ahead. At the, right. At the end of the day, we're all smart people, and that is why we are who we are and what we're doing. Um, and I actually think that people that push it, hey, I'm female-owned business, I think that can get you in trouble. I think it can too. Um, and there's nothing, I mean, there are some advantages uh, with governmental contracts uh, for being, you know, a small, disadvantaged female owned business um, because a certain percentage need to, uh, of, of contracts need to be given to those communities. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I can see why it can be of value. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all doing great things uh, with with great service and product and it does not matter who we are. Right. It what shouldn't matters matter is, if you're a man or woman. Right. It should just matter that you do whatever you're doing with quality. Right. It's what we do. Now, how would you define your leadership um, and then your leadership style in, in general and, and maybe some points of differentiation there from um, even being in the Navy or some of your past work experience? So when you say leadership, are you talking about with my employees? Yes. Okay. Um, I have, it's kind of odd that the majority of my employees have always been women. Um, I don't know if that's because more women see themselves going into this type of production, but I also get a lot of, I have a lot of teenagers, and it's their very first job, and leadership has to be kind of a combination with that group as part mom, part counselor, part boss, and part friend. Um, teenagers nowadays are not, you don't see as many of them having to go out and get a job as I remember from high school. That's so true. When, yeah. Oh, I know. And there, there's a lot of uh, work ethic is is different than when I was young and that's what I try to teach that no matter what you do whether you're sweeping the floor cleaning the chocolate molds dipping ginger that you do it well that you pay attention um, and that that's something I got from the Navy is attention to detail because if the tiny little details are glossed over the end result can be chaos yeah, it sure can. Catastrophic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> especially and, in the Navy. <laughs> well, yeah, especially in the Navy. But, you know, think back to, and, and you may have been doing this on your own, but think back to that first order from that florist and those 12 boxes of candy. If they had not been perfect, what could have happened? So it's truly um, that fortitude that you have and that coaching mindset that you instill in everyone that you work with um, that has got you to the point that you are today. And and with my culinary employees, you know, the ones that are planning on doing this for life, 
you know, this is their chosen profession. That's a different type of leadership. And that I try to encourage them to think on their own, come up with their own ideas, and let's see where we can take it here because I don't know everything and I don't always have great ideas. And it's it's nice to I, I think it makes the um pastry assistant, the chocolate assistant, I think it makes them feel like more of the team by allowing their input um, to happen. I also let them make their own mistakes. You know, no matter how much you show somebody until they actually do it and screw it up a couple times, it doesn't really hit. You know, I, I could talk till I'm blue in the face, but people have to experience how they do it and get their own rhythm. It's so true. And, and you know, to that point, are there any in integrated um, approaches internally from a process standpoint um, that you deploy to get everyone on the same page um, and singing from the same songbook? Um, we do a few different things. Twice a year we have um, a party. In, in the winter we do our Christmas party sometime late January when things have slowed down a little bit and before Valentine hits and it's just and then the summertime we do a picnic and it's just to get people out of the work environment and they they become more friends a lot of the teenagers that work here go to different schools and would have never become friends with that other person and you put them into a work environment together and they become friends, but it isn't until we have the parties that they become good friends. And it's really ni nice to see them after each time we have a get-together like that, the camaraderie that develops between them and um, willingness to help each other out. So that that's that's a... I guess that's called team building. Well, and, and what I like about that is um, there are, you know, cultural experts out there that state that retention, one key element to retention is that someone has a friend at their place of work. Um, so the fact that you've got those parties that you do and you know that it's affecting, you know, positively, you know, with those friendships that, you know, that says a lot. Yeah, and I, I've seen a lot of the kids, they get their best friend a job here. Uh, There's nothing better than making chocolate after school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let's be realistic about yeah. this. I mean, is there possibly any other job that would be better? <laughs> that That's the way most of them feel, that they really have lucked into a fun job. So I'm I'm glad that they enjoy it. Sometimes they enjoy it a little too much, and then I have to be. That's when I have to put on the boss hat and yeah. not the mom or the friend hat. Uh, I love it. I can just imagine. <laughs> so we've talked about um, the yearly parties. What else um, do you do to get everyone on that same page? Uh, most of the teenagers, and the teenagers are the majority of the employees I have. Um, most of them. If they were just going to do retail and clean molds, they would get bored and they wouldn't really feel like they're part of the thing. So a lot of them, I teach them, actually all of them get to learn how to do different things. They all learn how to temper chocolate. Some of them learn how to help with making ganaches. Uh, some of them learn how to help on the pastry side with cookies. 
and they all get to be part of the process and it's when they when they learn something new and they do it well it's nice to see that they they feel important oh, that's right and that works with the the adults too you know when you have somebody that's hired just to wash dishes and then in a few weeks you start teaching them how to make ganache they feel like okay i'm not just a dishwasher or i'm not just the uh mold cleaner. I'm part of the process that's making the product. That's great. Now I've got a, a question for you. Mm -hmm. How many kids coming to work for the first time know what ganache is? Um, I would say zero. <laughs> or or how to spell it. Right. <laughs> well, another that. one is Jeanduya. Oh, Jeanduya. That's just yeah. fun to say. So what is Jeanduya? <laughs> Jeanduya is um, like Nutella. It's oh. a nut, nut paste with chocolate. Oh, yum. So they, uh, although our version of Nutella is a little different than what you buy in a store. Well, I'm I'm sure it's fabulous. <laughs> That's for sure. We talked uh, a little bit about integrated marketing in our pre-show discussion, and I know that you guys are just really out of the shoot uh, with developing some of your marketing approaches. Are there, um, and a lot of it is always trial and error. I completely get that. But what at this point in time, have you tried that you feel is is working the best for you? Trade shows um, and being out in the public view with things like uh, the groups I volunteer chocolates for. I um, I did a chocolate and alcohol pairing for the Hope Foundation, and a lot of people didn't know about our chocolates, and that was a really neat way to show a different part of Longmont that hey we're here. Um, the trade shows I do like the chocolate festival in Denver and one in the Broadmoor that gets my name out to people from further away. Well I, I love that and, and I think any brand in um, that early stage development and, and you're more than early stage but nonetheless you're really um, starting to play with what marketing strategies will um, most benefit the bottom line you've you've got to start with trade show period because that those that environment is where you've got the potential to have all potential buyers in one room one conference area at one point in time and what better way than trade show to really get the the product you know to start creating some top of mind awareness right i'm sure you're finding that it's working very very well it it is um, and, and between, other, go ahead. I'm, no, I'm, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say between the different shows and volunteering at to do chocolates for different groups, I feel like our physical presence is getting more known. Well, I'm sure it is, and and by you know those grassroots approach are also creating trial. And the more trial you can get of the product, the more people tasting it, um, it's really just going to mushroom and um, create that awareness that you're looking for. I can't wait to go to one of those events, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've all overcome obstacles. Um, that's part of the entrepreneurial spirit. Can you tell us about a challenging time or a situation that could have devastated or even ruined the business? But in that situation, you persisted, you made it through, you made those tough decisions, and you've ultimately triumphed. How have you taken that once painful memory and applied it to the lessons learned to the way that you actually work today? 
Uh, I we went when we started in business. When I started in business, I was only wholesale, and I sold my chocolates through uh, the florist shop. Well, a couple florist shops, the cupboard in Fort Collins, and the Cayenne Kitchen in Longmont. And in 2011, they let me know that they were going to close their doors and. Uh, the Cayenne Kitchen was going to be finished. Mm. And I had the decision to make of either Robin Chocolates is done or Robin Chocolates has to have a retail location. Oh, plus the kitchen I was renting was being sold, so I was losing oh my, my space. Gosh. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Talk about it all collapsing at once, right? Yeah. Oh. So we had to, my husband and I had to decide, do we want to plow ahead and make our own space that would involve a retail shop. So when we when we made the decision to do it, then we had to find a location. Then we had to find a contractor to change what used to be a women's fitness center to into a working kitchen. So there were a lot of mis- mistakes made with construction and learning how to lay out a professional kitchen. And it all finally worked out. We opened our doors in October of 2011. And each year we learned something more that, okay, if we had to do it all over again, what would we do? How would we do it? And it's, my shop is always a work in progress. As it should be, right? Again, yes. a true testament to to the entrepreneurial spirit. And you know, you've got to think back on that time and wonder if that all had not happened, would you have ultimately had your own storefront? Um, and and how has that then led to the brand position that you have in the marketplace today? Yeah, you know, I wish I wish you could see two sides of it. Like, what would have happened if I hadn't done it? Where would I be right now? You know, it's all kinds of what ifs right that which are never good but nonetheless right. Right. well i tell you you um truly are becoming such a success and how do you know or is there how do you know when you've made it or is there that magic moment when you've said okay i have i'm here i don't i don't think there's ever a moment when you can say i've made it because again it's always a work in pro- progress but when i make a new chocolate you know, when I come up with something new, we just made our newest one, red wine, it's a pâte de vin, um, a red wine jelly with a peach ganache. Oh, yum. And the first time I made it, well, okay, it wasn't the first time. It took about six batches before I was happy (laughs) with it. And the first time we gave it to a customer, that's when I feel like I've, you know, it's... It's awesome. It just every moment is golden right then and there when the person bites it and says, This is great. Oh, I love that. Now, what one strategy or process um, have you implemented that if business owners and their teams can consistently apply every day would result in big wins for them? Um, well, I always like to make sure that I end my day with no regrets, mm. that I've done the best I could do for that moment. And I also tend to look at 
each and every problem in my shop, like I did in the Navy, I was electronics tech, and we troubleshot um, big systems. So you, in the morning, you have your input. I have this, this, and this to do. At the end of the day, you should have output from that list. Sometimes you get that list finished. Sometimes you don't. But I try to gauge it on, did I do as much as I could have possibly done? And I try not to let, if it was a bad day, I try not to let, let it get me down. And the next day is a brand new day and things can always go better. Oh, I love that. And I'm going to take that home with me tonight, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, we're con- getting ready to conclude our interview today, but one more question for you. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that you want you and Robin's Chocolates to be known for, what is it and why? Um, quality, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather sacrifice profit any day for quality it's it's more important to make an incredibly good product with great chocolate than to make a mediocre chocolate and tell everybody yeah I just bought a new house because Robin Chocolates is making so much money um, I really like that Th- that really <laughs> shows the you know authenticity of who you are as an individual as well um, that it's all about quality, and with that great quality, you're going to create you know those customers for life. That's for sure. I certainly hope so. <laughs> well, you will, Robin. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show, and and I have to say, you know, this has just been uh, just a real fun interview for me. I can't wait to try the chocolate myself, and I want to leave our listeners with this. Every single day, Robin ends her day with no regrets. She knows that she's done the best that she could do at that given moment in time. Thanks again, Robin, for being on the show today. Thanks, Laurie. This episode is complete, so head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Continue to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Laurie Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.